Welcome to Brightly You Radiant Being, the show that wildly recognizes, encourages, and invests in the radiance we all carry so you can shine your brightest. Each episode, we use our good and bad experiences, friendship, and passions to inspire thought-provoking conversation and soul-driven advice to better help you create a life worth living and step more brightly into yourself, inch by inch. Hi, I'm Tracy. On October 31st, I had surgery at the Mayo Clinic after a series of MRIs indicated the likelihood of endometriosis in my liver and diaphragm this year. While estimates are difficult to come by as not everyone with endometriosis will experience symptoms, diaphragmatic endometriosis is incredibly rare and hepatic or liver endometriosis is often described in literature as extremely rare. I recognize the privilege and luck that afforded me access to the dedicated and skilled medical doctors and such a prestigious clinic. I have immense gratitude and appreciation to my referring physician and the team that provided my care. However, the simplicity of my opening statements is nothing of the journey that got me to this resolution or the persistence, tenacity, dedication, and devotion to finding a diagnosis and hopefully an accompanying treatment. I want to acknowledge the immense complexities and intricacies that are involved in medicine, especially when concerning rare conditions. Both forms of endometriosis I was treated for present with nerve and referred pain. My chief complaints, from what I can tell, didn't always match up with the existing literature. Many of my pain and symptoms were hard for me to describe. The language simply doesn't exist. It took me 15 years to receive a diagnosis and treatment from the very first time I remember having a symptom. In 2021, I was told we've reached the end of our diagnostic journey. Earlier that year, a team of very qualified specialists told me liver endometriosis did not exist and there is no way the spot on my liver seen in the MRIs that they conducted could be related to my pain. In 2020, Almost to the day of my most recent surgery, I had surgery to look for endometriosis on my diaphragm, and they could not see it or find it. I was, however, diagnosed and treated for stage 3 endometriosis in more common areas. Five years prior to that, despite deeply resonating for the first time in 10 years with online descriptions of pain and symptoms, I was told diaphragmatic endometriosis was not a thing, and that even if it was a thing, there was no way to diagnose or treat. And over 10 years ago, I was given an internal pelvic ultrasound and told I did not have pelvic endometriosis. In between each and every milestone shared is a list of specialty referrals, doctor visits, lab draws, imagings, and declarations of health. And in between each disappointment, I went through every holistic provider that might provide an ounce of relief, no matter how out there it seemed. From massage, acupuncture, and chiropractic services, to body work, Reiki energy healing, medical shamans, and psychics. Every single interaction, I was faced with convincing a stranger that my seemingly abled body with stellar blood test results was experiencing an unbearable and debilitating amount of pain, which with symptoms I could not explain in a way that matched medical knowledge or avoided condescension. Each appointment became a test to how well I could present myself to be seen as pleasant, rational, logical, educated, and an adult to be taken seriously. How succinctly, yet descriptively, could I outline my history? 
Will this physician connect with me if I'm more informal or are they the all business type? What questions should I be prepared to answer? How much info is too much info? What needs to be documented? Did this one document something that could be detrimental to receiving future referrals or care? Did preferring this avenue prevent me from being able to pursue others? Each appointment coming with its own blend of hope, disappointment, and the frustration of not knowing where to go next or how to proceed. In the first five years, I experienced a confusing blend of symptoms that left me exhausted, perpetually in pain, and stress on how to earn an income, live a life, and afford medical care. I wasn't acting as myself, I didn't feel like myself, I couldn't concentrate, and I struggled to fulfill commitments, and I felt like a failure. Ten years ago, I started to pursue care that helped me align holistic treatments like acupuncture, chiropractic services, energy work, massage, meditation, and mental health therapies with diet, supplements, exercise, spirituality, and mindset training. It was there then that things became more bearable and a pattern began to emerge. No longer was I suffering all the time. Now it was every 28 days like clockwork with the same three to seven days of excruciating pain that unfolded the same way every time. It was that pattern recognition that helped me forage a path ahead, one that helped me target and inform better referrals and more structured care. But throughout all that, I was responsible for my care, not as in just an adult out and about in the world, but the person ensuring I was medically cared for, for finding and connecting with people with different knowledge and skills than I had, for advocating that something was wrong, that temporary solutions weren't solutions, and that there is no normal amount of pain. That just because you don't know what's wrong with me doesn't mean something isn't wrong. And in for ensuring that while I am no medical expert, I am the expert in me and I will be heard. Thank you for sharing that, Tracy. Um, I think that anyone who's listening to this has to be astounded at the amount of fortitude you had to just to keep going and to keep advocating for yourself. I, I think that for many people, um, for me, it's always been easier to advocate for someone else, my child, my husband, my sister, whatever, particularly child, I could do that. Advocating for ourselves is a completely different beast. Especially, I think, when you are in a situation where people are continuously saying to you, you're wrong. This isn't what it is. So I'm, I, I'm just, I'm wondering what it was. And I know you said, yes, you had, you know, this dedication and perseverance, but how did you have that? I think I got lucky that somehow it's innately in me for one reason or another. Okay. And um, while you were talking, I was reminded of this time. I went to graduate school for counseling psychology once. And so as you can imagine, imagine it's a bunch of counselors teaching a bunch of future counselors and we're all very heart-centered, emotional, connected people for the most <laughs> part. And so at the end of one of our semesters, a uh, professor had us all sit in a circle and he had like a ball of yarn or something. And we all had to, um, if we thought of something, we took our 
we took the yarn and we passed it to someone who had to like pinch it in place there or whatnot. Um, and we said like a warm fuzzy, like something nice about them. And at the end of it, you clip the yarn and then you have like this physical little poof everybody has of all their little warm fuzzies that they were given. And the professor ended the session that was directed um, all the warm fuzzies at me by saying that you operate in the world as if you don't have a choice. You just do, right? That they're you you only do good you only do the right like you have the, the, this is the cho- and he's like and, but you have a choice <laughs> um and that was around the time that um all this medical stuff was starting and i was i was super confused um and so i wonder um and i got to i mean i'm sure it gets me in trouble sometimes or i don't ask for help as much as i should um but i think that's also like self advocacy is also a skill and Um, I definitely, you know, in between that 15 years, I had off years where I was like, yep, it's all in my head. (laughs) I'm perfectly fine and healthy time to soldier through. Like I did indoor triathlons and ran five K's and bullied myself on like, why aren't you doing better in life? I was very unnecessarily mean to myself for, (laughs) and during those times, um, but I knew if I was ever going to have a resolution, nobody could fight for it but me, right? Like I could assemble a team, like I'm very thankful for my friends, you know, and the ones I've opened up to and um, they've all been supported and my most recent medical team that that got me here. Um, but I just got to a point where I was tired of feeling, and, th- and this is self-advocacy across the board, um, but uh, in my case, in the medical realm, I had a particularly frustrating six months where I would go, get a referral and I'd go and I would meet with them. And both the nurse and the physician would have all this empathy um, and just like tears in their eyes hearing about this. And then they'd run a bunch of labs, even if they'd been run before, they run their own. And then they come back and it's, surprise, you're healthy. <laughs> and And I didn't no, I'm not like what happened to two hours ago, you know, before you, you sent me off to the lab draw, like I'm not making this up. Um, and so I just reached this point and, and I'm sure it was a particular blend of words by a particular type of person delivering them, um, where they made it seem like because they couldn't find anything wrong with me, that nothing was wrong with me that they that remember that yeah that no no this is this was probably 10 years ago oh Um, I thought this was the group of highly intelligent that was two years ago okay (laughs) um no this this first man um thankfully um another doctor after that put it a much better way I got referred to a different specialist and Mm -hmm. he said um maybe our range of normal isn't your normal and I want you to come back here the next time you have a flare-up or the next time X, Y, Z happens. Um, and by the time it got really bad again, he didn't work there anymore. So that was disappointing. But I had enough. It was kind of split down the middle between people, you know, a lot of a lot of people in medicine like to solve puzzles, right? Like they're really smart, intelligent, and they want to solve the puzzle. They want to figure it out. Um and my puzzle didn't have an image on the box. It didn't have an image on the puzzle. Um, and so 
I appreciated the people who just because they couldn't figure it out were able to stand up and say like that's how I got to the Mayo is my referring physician she had actually told me and kind of like gently nudged me in another direction um but she had been the most receptive all along um and so uh for me, as much as I've been lamenting the second back surgery that I had in January, had that not happened, I don't think I would have pushed for this referral. I met insurance minimums and decided, well, this is a year where we do the referral game again and we see what we can find out. We've already paid a bunch of money <laughs> to them. Let's go. And so I went back to her and I said, look, like this is what happened two years ago. This is what happened after that. And that's not good enough. And she just sat back and goes, you know, the Mayo's just down the road. Has anybody referred you? And I said, no. And she wrote up an amazing referral and the Mayo responded quickly, but it took her just taking a second instead of being like, sorry, I can't help you. And then me trying to figure out what's next. She said, you know what? This is bigger than me. And we got a great clinic down the road. Do you want to try that? And I was like, I don't know why I've never asked to go to that great clinic I'm aware of down the road. Um, Because I think we have an assumption that other people, if this is indeed their, their line of work, if they have gone to medical school, that they do know things. And I think that also is a huge challenge block when we are trying to advocate for ourselves to people who do not think we understand what it is we're advocating for, because how could we possibly know what they know? And so, you know, it's one thing to advocate for yourself with someone who is your peer, right? It's another thing to advocate to somebody who not to be hierarchical with, with, um, but they have powers, but they do have, you just nailed it. They have power. And so you can keep trying to advocate for yourself, but if they just keep saying no and blocking you, it, it takes a lot of courage and, and commitment to continue the fight. And I would also say, be okay with a closed door. I stopped arguing with people who didn't believe me that when I got a no, I heard that they had a no. I did not take that as the entire medical establishment giving me a no. So I feel like that in a nutshell could be used for so many areas of life that You stopped arguing with someone who just continuously had a no. And it's like, that's their no. It's not my no. Yeah, they were another place. And my, Mm -hmm. I think it comes down to your goal, right? Like whether it's career, it's a boss, it's someone you're in a relationship with, an ex or something like that. Like my goal was not to convince that particular doctor whose name I don't even remember now to believe me my goal was to not be in pain anymore right like and I didn't need him for that right um I think self-advocacy is a skill that I just maybe have more practice and willingness to go and I had nothing to lose right like um Ah, if if and I had knowledge, right? Like I would demand, you know, like what's different from, you know, maybe a personal relationship, but in career and in medicine, you can ask them to document. And as soon as you tell them to document something, suddenly they're more open to trying what, oh, oh, you don't want to do this test. Can you document that and your reasons why? Oh, well, well, I, (laughs) I guess I suppose we can try that avenue, blah, 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 blah. Um, 
Yes. So, so one thing that I do want to bring up and um, that are, are you going to talk at all about how the surgery actually went? Oh, you yeah. Said you had surgery for the likelihood. Surgery. It went well. I was right. <laughs> I, it was in my, it was all over my liver. It was all over my diaphragm. It was in places, nobody, it was in some surprise locations we weren't (laughs) expecting. Um, And so, yeah, and it was kind of a crazy experience because the endometriosis surgeon or specialist that I met with initially to consult with, um, just based my 90 second spiel, knew most likely what I had um, for diaphragm, right? It's it's gaining a little bit more interest and and awareness. But I had also asked to all of my weird liver stuff to be seen by someone too. And my goal was, well, if you go in to look for diaphragm endometriosis, can we just biopsy that thing since you're in there, right? Like that was my goal. Um, And so what ended up happening was MRIs and other scans um, just showed like, Oh yeah. Like they just, they have, I mean, it's been two years, so there's more knowledge. I'm assuming they probably have, um, it was a more skilled team who was more aware of endometriosis reading it versus just people who only look at the liver. Um, but so I had an endometriosis surgeon who did not operate on me. And then I had, um, a very lovely surgeon who I I don't want to butcher all his specialties, but, um, for as, skilled as he was in in operating in the places we needed to he didn't know what endometriosis looked like I was his first endometriosis case um and so I still had to advocate for myself in this realm and help manage expectations because I had one surgeon who still to this day is like hey this could not fix you like you could still have it and like this is it this is end of the road right how many times have I heard that and then I have another surgeon saying hey Tracy (laughs) you're going to be better than I found you. <laughs> you're going to be so great after this. I'm going to fix things you didn't realize were wrong. Um, but this, well, this wasn't meant to be like an endometriosis or a surgery thing, but I still it, want people to know that, yeah. that you were right all along. Thank you. And I'm that so- is the main point that we are putting across with this show that Tracy <laughs> was right. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> uh, but I was. so I just when it comes to self-advocacy like I have a friend who in certain areas of her life she like what would Tracy do because like she'll she'll vent to me and I'll coach her and I'll like give her ideas for how to advocate for herself or how to like stand up in these situations that what you are asking for is not too much it, you can absolutely have boundaries. You can have limits. You can, you get to set all this. There's nothing wrong. What's wrong is the other person's reaction because <laughs> they're asking a yes or no question and you're saying no. And then they didn't like that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so now it's changed from like, oh, Tracy, like, am I wrong? And like screen caps of text messages and things like that to instead now that Tracy, you'd be so proud. Here's what I did. Right. And like, she's already done it. And it's just the most basic thing. It's just saying no. And it's a full sentence, right? Like, so I don't know. Where is so that? I think that that's a really good point that boundaries are a form of self-advocacy. They're a huge form of self-advocacy. But also, I just realized you were my little self-advocate coach um, with my little money situation. And that can be a different episode. But Tracy really helped me see a few things. With tarot, 
Yes. <laughs> we have all sorts of aids, right? Um, no, but so that is something like, it's definitely, I feel like a skill that I've honed in a variety of ways. And so like one of them for me is career. Like I don't put up with people asking things of me that aren't okay with taking credit for things, with talking to me, yelling at me. Right. Like I, I, but then I also, I'm okay with the outcome of like, well, this boss might fire me. Right. Like I'll cross that bridge when, and if that comes, but in this moment, so sorry, could you repeat that in a regular tone? (laughs) Like you're seem a bit emotional um or just like oh no I put in this request for PTO and it doesn't matter the reason I put it in on time you approved it your inability to find coverage I empathize with you but I really do need that like I've already booked a flight right so there's a lot of things where I will just hold steadfast and I don't even wonder or have anxiety about the like what if they don't like what I'm saying? Because I know I'm coming from a place of truth, right? Like, I think that's the thing of self-advocacy as well, is it's not, you're not advocating for a pipe dream. Like there's like this inner knowledge and truth in you and you're trying to stay true to that. Yeah, I love that. And I think that maybe sometimes we need to get to a point where we understand what our truths are. Um, kind of going back to sort of like when we talk about our values and living by our values. Um, yeah, I love that. So, and that, so that's huge. Like go back to our values episode because, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I did start bullet journaling and I did, it was about 10 years ago and I did values exercises. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of when I made that decision I alluded to in our last episode, trade-offs, where instead of like pursuing, um, you know, a relationship and children and families and a career and like all this certain, you know, like all this stuff I'd kind of been building towards in my 20s, I decided, no, like, let's take jobs that don't require as much of us, don't hold the prestige and the experience and the pay that we were working towards, but will give us a normal nine to five. 40 hour work week with great medical coverage and the ability to go to appointments, right? I don't abide by supervisors who, you know, are butt in the chair kind of people, right? Like I, I made sure I had this, I could dedicate my time and energy when I wasn't in pain to not being, you know, like to, to figuring out what's mm-hmm. wrong. And it's because I outlined my values and I realized like, if I went that other path, if I didn't, if I didn't seek this health-based outcome, I wasn't going to do any of the things that well. And it wasn't going to be up to the standards of my values that yes, maybe I would have the job or the relationship or the kids. I don't think I would like my behavior within that. I don't think I would have had the energy to give, right? That I was like, you know what? If I am going to do those things, I'm only going to do them if they can align with my values. If If I can be my best self the majority of the time, right? Or whatever self I decide to be. Um, And by self-advocating for myself on this medical journey, I was able to, my life is aligned with my values still. And I feel pretty good about it, right? Um, I feel even better now that I know that as Amy has pointed out that I was right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The trade-off I hope um, will continue to pay off. Um, 
but it was 10 years of ups and downs, right? Um, and wondering if I was advocating for the right things. Um, I think the one thing that I built up the most during this time, so around 2009, I want to say, I started therapy. I'd done it before, but this was the, the therapist I'd had the best connection with. And he really helped me become more resilient and he really helped me instill boundaries. And so I think that's a huge part of self-advocacy is being able to bounce back. There are plenty of times I advocated for myself and it was not successful. Um, Right. Oh, right. A super important point that it does just because you advocate for yourself doesn't mean that you're going to get the outcome that you had wanted to get in that circumstance. I mean, we heard about all the times you didn't get the outcome that you were advocating for. So, yeah. And I think in those moments, like, I think a part of self-advocacy is remembering you're still not doing it alone, right? Like, I was leading the charge. I was the general of this fight. I wasn't, I think it's often, especially in terms of medical stuff to like defer to the person in power, the person in medicine and things like that. Um, and I decided I was going to lead it, but I mean, you have heard right to the point where you think, you know, which story and which doctor I'm talking about (laughs) you, you've experienced some of this. And I went, I went the first 10 years of this, not really talking about it, not saying anything. And I got to say, I think the past five years and they were the most, influential in all this is when I started talking to people about it and when I started like allowing myself that release um it had kind of stayed with like my holistic practitioners but people I was paying right and so if I couldn't afford it I wasn't getting to like share with them the burdens of what I was going for um but I mean honestly I knew you probably three years before you ever told me about this. Yeah. And this was, I think this is even the first boss that I've openly talked about it with. Um, I've, I've been lucky that the majority, I mean, I've lost jobs over this, you know, to the point where like some people just can't handle the random days off or um, I would treat deadlines that don't have to be firm as flex, right? Like I'd communicate with my bosses and things like that, but things would get moved or I'd say, Hey, sorry, this isn't going to be Friday. It's going to be Monday. And I get talked to about, you know, over promising and under delivering. And, um, I'm glad I'm no longer at those jobs because it led me to this one with the boss who, when I reschedule a meeting is like, yeah, I don't want you to work in pain. Like, if we can do this later, if he's like, do you want to do it? Do you want to do it at the end of the week instead? And I'll be like, no, no, I'll be fine by third. Right. Like, and so that was huge was building a network of empathetic people or people that support. Right. Um, because that uh, sharing with people, like, can you believe this person said this or did this? And then having that like self-righteous be like, who said what? Right. Like that's, it's, it helps you from going too far down the dark hole. But I also feel like self-advocacy, um, it it's closely linked to self-expression, wouldn't you say? Oh, I guess I hadn't I hadn't thought about that. Tell me, tell me more about that idea and and then I will tell you what I think. <laughs> Would you say that people 
the people in your life who you see is like unapologetically themselves are also the first to kind of be able to advocate for themselves and others. Oh, yes. 100%. Right? You're right. Like, you yes. talked about courage earlier and I think it's about mm-hmm. just being willing to live boldly. Right. Like, and that's was yes. one of the values that I had, um, to, to be bold, to be daring, to be courageous in life. Um, and it, it, I think being able to express who you are at its truest form that advocating for yourself, then it's just like the default, like it's not even a thought. Yeah. I had never thought of it in those terms, but it's so true. And I feel like maybe if I think I'm much better at advocating for myself now than I was before, like I mentioned earlier, I could always advocate for my children, but, but not necessarily myself. And sometimes not even to the extent that I wanted to for my children because I took authority. I would say advocating for your children is like advocating for yourself. Um, That was a turning point for me. I worked with um, toddlers with autism and uh, one of the parents was having difficulties with something and something wasn't aligning with diagnostic criteria or insurance company or something else. And I just remember that... um, the the lead at the time just looked at her and said, well, you're not the expert in autism, but you are the expert in your child. And you're saying that this isn't normal for your child. Okay, let's pursue this. Um, and I just had one of those aha moments as a grown adult at like 28 of like, I am the expert in me and this isn't normal. And everybody keeps telling me it's just aging or it's normal or you're fine. We are the experts in our own self, around our own self and who we are and what we do and how we do it and what typically feels normal and doesn't feel normal. So what were some common obstacles and challenges that you face when advocating for yourself or your kids? Were they just internal or were they external too? Well, I think, first of all, I had this just really weird authority type thing inside of me that I just had a really hard time standing up to authority. And I don't know if that was like the father figure or what it was. Mm-hmm. I just had a really hard time with that to the point where I would make myself feel sick if I tried to like stand up for myself with anyone who, especially if they were a man. Um, so from, you know, my ex-husband to, you know, principals to um, doctors to whatever. But, but when, when it was, so yeah, I think the obstacles were in me. I think that I created my own obstacles as far as like, not like hating to go against authority and then also not trusting my own uh, intelligence, my own knowledge, my own knowing um, so I think it was, I needed to get to a point where I felt confident in myself and I knew myself. Mm. Self-awareness is so that. key. Um, yeah, I don't think, well, and you, you know me, I just love to absorb information. And so not, I definitely did not have like a medical, medical degree in any of this. Right. But I knew enough to know I needed additional care, that something was wrong, right? And so I think knowing yourself and then really educating yourself on the situation and having the confidence to trust what you know, right? Like you just said that, like your knowledge and awareness are enough 
And a lot of times we tell ourselves that they're not. Well, and it can be hard when other people are going, "Mm, no, you're wrong, (laughs) right? So, So I think if anybody out there um, is on their own journey to learn how to advocate for themselves, start with that inner assessment. Um, do you have any other thoughts? Well, I just think, you know, the inner assessment, figuring out what your values actually are, and then trusting yourself, Mm. you get to the point, once you trust yourself, then I think you, you're, you're more confident. Yeah. Um, you know, I started this up episode and it was all about persistence and dedication and just tenacity um mindset was huge for me and believing that there was a resolution was huge um I (laughs) as have you for me have really struggled with I've I've kept this list of people that I I want to write and say (laughs) you were wrong or here's what it was you earlier I was like don't you want to do that I do but Instead, I'm going to end this with who do I want to thank? Um, I've been imagining how good it would feel to tell them and I can't tell all of them. So we're going to end the episode here um, with some gratitudes. So I want to thank my team at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Drs. Burnett and Starlinger for confirming it was not in my head. To Dr. Burnett for your validation of what I most likely had, the difficulty in diagnosis, and very astutely conceding that my options suck. Um, our initial conversation gave me more validation and hope than 14 years prior. Um, so thank you for the pursuit of your work to Dr. Starlinger for reassuring me just how simple my surgery would be despite the rarity of my condition and everybody else that worked on the team to my referring physician, Dr. Casserly Casserly for your acknowledgement of the frustrations of being heard and believed as a woman in pain for always giving me time to ask questions and hearing me every step along the way. Your thorough care and acknowledgement, I most likely had endometriosis despite scans showing otherwise was the first time I felt validated in this pursuit. So thank you for recognizing the problem may be bigger than you could solve and thoughtfully and thoroughly referring me. Uh, To my gallbladder surgeon, whose name I forgot to look up, (laughs) um, I came to you via an ER for an entirely different reason. My gallbladder was failing. My symptoms seemed odd, but you took an interest in my well-being and my whole health and took the time to not only read up on what I had gone through to date, but you came to discuss with me. Um, You were determined to figure it out. And from what I heard, you were really disappointed you couldn't. But in a roundabout way, you did. By going the extra mile, you were able to confirm things imaging could not. And this knowledge helped me keep going and receive additional referrals and care. To my boss, Ken, for sharing more empathy and compassion than most of my prior bosses combined, especially throughout the intense medical journey of the past three years, and more specifically for your care and concern of not wanting me to work while in pain. I could not have dedicated time to my care had it not been for the privilege of flexibility in my schedule, use of unscheduled PTO, and a sounding board for the less successful appointments. To all my family, friends, and colleagues who have offered a hand or an ear or showed understanding of last-minute cancellations and reschedules. To my colleagues at Hennepin County who graciously donated their PTO so that I wouldn't have to worry how my care would affect my livelihood. Your generosity fills me with an overwhelming sense of warmth, appreciation, and deep humility. 
to my employer, Hennepin County, for the dedication to providing employees with a total rewards benefit package that allowed me to pursue an avenue of treatment that many don't have access to. To my friends, Rosie, Amy, and Mark, for allowing me to release 14 years of not talking about this to one year of only talking about this. Uh, for offering a listening ear, rides to appointments, shoveling of sidewalks, pet sitting, and more. Your support has been immeasurable. To my parents, Russ and Diana, for being my emergency contact well into my 30s, my ride to and from surgeries, and monitoring me post-anesthesia no matter how many times I think I'm fine alone. Thank you for being there. To my big sister, Mandy, for being a surrogate mother and sounding board and for making time to help me manage my household while managing your own. To Dr. Dan of Complete Chiropractic in St. Paul, acupuncturist Greta Jeffries, massage therapist and healer Darcy Dion, and Nancy Saslow of Body Mind Synthesis in Wyzetta. I cannot even begin to describe how integral you were to not only me getting to diagnosis, but making it through at all. Where medical professionals were unable to dedicate the time past brief appointments, the compassion, care, attention, and skill you provided in our sessions gave me not only a beacon of light, not just a moment of respite, but most importantly, a space to be heard and believed. Thank you for making yourselves available and trying everything you could to help. And most importantly, thank you to an old boss of mine, Andy Nimi. When this first started and I was met with failed referral after failed referral and nothing but questions with an unknown future ahead, you openly discussed your own multi-year self-advocacy journey with me. I could tell in our conversation that you believed what I was going through because we had a shared experience. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for sharing your story with me. Thank you for encouraging me. Your words became the mantra that saw me through. I may not have ended up where I thought I would be in life because of this, but I wouldn't be where I am without you. Had you not told me to keep going, to hold out, that it just takes finding that one doctor, that one person who knows exactly what you have, I would have stopped at the first physician telling me I was fine. I would have allowed my case to be closed. I would have led a life of silent suffering. Because of you, I did not suffer alone. I had hope. So I share these words and my story today in the hope that it helps another keep going the way you helped me. Thank you, Tracy. And with that, we hope you have a bright and beautiful day.